0: I think I'm okay with yeah. saying like okay I don't have it all figured out but I'm searching yeah. for for truth that exists outside of my subjective feeling even you said like my goal is to live a good life well my question is what does it mean to be good right and so there, yeah. you know there there needs to be some objectivity in what it means to be good and that is a thing of truth right and so it's not to say that I have I have a textbook right here, and the facts in this textbook is truth. I think truth is a, it is, it's unchanging, but it is living. Welcome back to the Lucas Scrobot Show. I'm Lucas Scrobot, and this is where we uncover purpose, relentlessly pursue truth and own the future. We are in hour two with Manal, where she is a embodiment coach. And if you've not heard the first hour, of this interview, I strongly suggest before listening to this, you go back and listen to that first episode where we broke down what it means to live in an embodied way, what embodiment is, um, how, it's, how we're not just our body, we're not just our mind, we're not just our spirit, but we are all of those things. We are three in one, if you will. And so, Manal, thank you so much for being here. We have just been talking about parenting. You and I have been talking about how it's really in learning that we are setting the tone in the culture in our households and our kids are just molding to that. How we have that responsibility and have the ability to respond if we are going to be willing to feel the weight of our brokenness and want to do something about it. That we're actually able to step forward and And begin to heal and begin to set a different culture within our relationships with our children rather than just being heavy-handed and trying to modify them and force them into being something that even we are not.
1: Yeah. Yes. Well, (laughs) thank you, Lucas. It's been, you know— a good conversation. I, I, I love talking about this. You know, I could we could roll this recording for another three, four hours. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we kind of uh, ended with there, you were talking about the relationship. And that is um, the basic. That was what parenting is, what it should be. Mm. And, you know, it's it's about anything else. Even, you know, you mentioned, you know, it's a relationship with God. And in that, I'll, I'll go and uh, uh, bringing it back to embodiment, is that thinking uh, only with the thinking brain, that there's um, a ruler or, um, let's say, uh, a, a central control system mm-hmm. that's dictating everything that is happening. And that's sort of the old kind of... Um, uh, even scientific kind of uh understanding of the brain is is that's what it does it gives signals to what needs to happen and uh in the body and now what science is finding is that actually there is much more information um that goes from the body to the brain um than than the other way around so even with that you know bringing that to parenting that thought or that, um, system of, I don't know if you can call it system, but that way of parenting that, you know, the, the, parents are the head of the house and they will dictate all the orders, what the kids need to do, what they need to do and uh, how they need to do it. What's important, what's not important. That's kind of, a, one, the head of the house, but when it, we're talking about relationship, and relationship is a felt sense, mm. and that's, you feel it in the body. So even with, with that, is like bringing that intuition, that feeling part, that um, emotion part into the equation, which is, is also healing that divide that we have mm-hmm. inside. So when it comes to parenting, understanding that relationship with our kids is the most important thing. And this became really evident to me. Um, so I was kind of thinking about going into parenting, uh, co- um, embodied parenting coaching, uh, you know, last six months, uh, last year. And and it was kind of in a process, but what made me know without a doubt that this is what I want to be doing is with this whole lockdown that happened in March is when I recognize that, you know, it's really my relationship with my kids is the most important thing. Mm. You know, it's not about them getting A at school or being, uh, you know, an athlete or anything. It's the relationship. And looking at everything that we're doing from that lens of how is my relationship with them? That is, you know, what parenting is all about. But to get to that point, we uh, at least talking about myself kind of have to deal and let go of those layers of conditioning that happened. You know, our parents did our, their best right. and they parented us the way they know how to parent. And that was the norm. You know, maybe two, three generations ago, the norm would be horrifying for us right now. So, um, so it's letting go of those layers of that conditioning, of that... Um, things, and what Dan Siegel uh, calls making sense of it. So I, I understand that, you know, my parents did this to me when I was a child, because that what happened to them. So there is a, a coherent narrative that I could uh, express, and I say, and I understand. Um, and and you no, know, that's, you know, okay, instead of being um, consumed with the past of consumed with what happened to me. And that brings us back to the victimhood
0: yeah. that yeah. We,
1: we spoke about earlier. So it's, it's all nice and lumped and complicated and twisted in a, in fashion that, you know, it's, it's really not one linear way. And there, are, you know, as many paths to, to, to find that as there's money, uh, as much of mm. us. So there's no one way that works for, for everyone. And that's something that I really, you know, if I would say believe, I don't use the word believe that much. Mm. because, But I do believe that there is a a path, there's a different entry point to everyone according to who they are and, you know, their experience.
0: Yeah. So uh, uh, one thought that I had as you're, you're sharing kind of, you know especially as naturalism has taken hold in society which is in basically saying there is no there is no such thing as spirit realm it is just we are all natural it's all determinism um we are just a, a sack of chemicals and that's you know the end of it um as determinism has kind of taken hold um we really have kind of as you said become that just thinking it's all our mind and that just controls everything. But there is that feedback loop from our body. And so there there is the the, the natural order within uh society, within families where there is, you know, the the patriarchy, if you will, the, the man has this role of and a responsibility to lead, right? If you have an organization mm-hmm. and there is no leader, well then You're going to have chaos. But the role of a good leader or of a good parent is to love those that they're leading. And in order to love those that they're leading, we have to listen to their needs, consider their needs, and serve rather than just being authoritarian and saying, this is what I want. You are here to serve me. A real leader comes in and says, I'm here to serve you real leaders sit at the the foundation point to serve the structure rather than sitting on their ivory tower at the top giving orders down. And so I liked, like that um, that image of how our body is actually sending way more messages to the mind than the mind to the body. And actually the mind is in place to serve the body, to give the body what it needs to regulate what the body needs as it receives information from that. I, I really like that. And there's another another thing that you said, and kind of goes back to the the previous episode, where you said, if you know better, you do better. But at the same time, in your, and I've heard this a lot too. And when when I hear it, I kind of, pause and I think, and like, well, that actually, that's just not true. Knowing better doesn't make us do better. We all know that we shouldn't smoke hookah. Yeah. We all know that we shouldn't smoke cigarettes. We all know that we shouldn't text and drive. Yeah. But that doesn't make yeah. us do, that doesn't make us do better. And so it it comes out, and this goes back to the thing that you said, that it's it's not just all the mind going down, but actually there is a. And we've, we, you mentioned this a little earlier, but there, how we have these three parts, and that they all work together. But there is a hierarchy of, as we've talked about, uh, of of order, where if we have that hierarchy of order wrong, we are going to be dysfunctional. And so that hierarchy of order is our spirit is up top, then our mind, and then our body, right? But when we get that wrong and we think that, okay, it is from our mind that everything else needs to align, that's where we begin to have these conflicts, these imbalances. Um, But it's really out of our spirit man that we are able to lead and live. But so often we are nurturing our physical bodies. We are nurturing our mind and we're not actually nurturing our spirit man.
1: Um. Yes, and it's, yeah, I, I think it's also a, a way of, of looking at it that it has to be a hierarchy. It's, it all comes in play. Each has its own purpose. So it's, um, and sometimes, it, you know, it's it, it, it said as, the, you know, the three brains that we have. It's, um, and actually, um, I like, um, you know, if you, if you know the work of uh, Dr. Dan Siegel, he actually distinguishes between the brain and the mind yes uh, but that's could be it for another <laughs>
0: no 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 absolutely the brain another. and the mind is uh, definitely different
1: so, so there's there's a there's a purpose of the, our thinking brain of that you know and we need that because yes. we can't have this you do this interview without setting a date putting a structure knowing that we need to do think correct about it. Uh, and there's our felt um brain, which is usually it's the lower abdomen, our pelvic area, that's kind of where our intuition, where our felt, um, our felt sense is, and we have our heart brain, which is um, it, to me, that's where spirituality comes in. And so recognizing the the thinking brain, recognizing and, you know, um, becoming intimate and know what that is. The same thing with our felt brain our gut uh, and those two kind of meet in the middle uh which is the heart intelligence and there's so many studies about the heart and you know the spirituality and of that so it's aligning those together um, not that one is more important right for the other and and for some people you know they the heart is is easier entry point and they they through the heart they connect the the the, the gut and the uh, and the head, um, and sometimes it's in in different ways. Some intellectuals will you know sit and study and then recognize that okay the gut and the heart comes together. But it's when we disconnect mm-hmm. one from the other that's where we go into loops, in my opinion. That. Are not helpful, and we end up not living from a holistic perspective.
0: Mm, I remember. So there's an- another point that you mentioned about how there is different entry points. There are different ways, but at the same time, what I'm what I'm hearing from all of, all that we talked about in our conversation is not that everyone has their own subjective truth. That whatever you feel is your truth, and you just live that out. You, I, what I hear you saying is no, there. There is truth, there is reality that exists outside of us that is knowable, but because of our backgrounds, because of our our own experience, there might be a different entry point in to navigating that or different things that we need to work through as individuals, but the axioms and principles, um, the plumb lines of morality still stand true for any individual or are you saying no? This is all social relativism, all moral relativism. You do you. You live out what your truth is, and you know if it makes it, it makes you happy, then great. Where do you stand on that?
1: Oh, where do I stand in that? That's a that's a big question, that I uh, <laughs> my stand. Okay, so um, you know idea you know ultimately I think what we want to be in this life is I am connected to myself connected to my community people around me connecting to the world so um, if I'm able to um, to feel that to sense that you know what I do affects all those layers that I am you know, just as the same, like anyone else in the world. We have the, this, you know, um, the same, you know, we have the same physical body, you know. Um, we have the same spirit. We're all as one, but we don't have to be the same. There is, um, so I I don't tend to get... I'm not very good with philosophy and, mm-hmm. you know, very abstract thinking. But, uh, but to me, that is, I feel that I am in a place where, first of all, it's, it's quite a, a challenging for me to put it in word, words. That it, but to me, it feels like a space where everything is perfectly okay. And I'm connected with everything and everyone around me. And you can call that anything. People have expressed it in different ways. But to me, that's ultimately um, a cool feeling that I want to have whatever I could do to, to have that feeling more often than I don't, I would do. And there is this, um, you know, when you talk about morality and, you know, yes, I, I could do whatever I want as long as I'm feeling about that. Uh, as long as I think it's right. Um, Really, the body does not lie. So if I am in touch with my own center, with my own gut, and I feel like, okay, this is peace. This is serenity. This is the place of surrender and trust. That is to me what what I'm after, is to know that I would be doing and being and it's all going to be okay. And I'm not sure if that answers your question.
0: A little bit. So, w- so it- would you say that, you know, maybe it's a little different terminology than you would use, mm-hmm. but that each person, each and every one of us has a conscious, a conscience. Mm-hmm. And we know when we are doing things that's that are, that's wrong, but we have the ability to sear that conscious, if you will. We have the ability to callous our hearts, to callous um Mm-hmm. What we think, and to have our our view of truth, our view of a, a right living within the world, to be twisted and skewed over time. and that if I have a calloused kind of conscience and i I believe that things are which are absolutely wrong is good, and I've traded good for evil and evil for good that I don't get the get-out-of-jail-free card and say, like, well, this is just my truth. I'm still wrong. There's still absolute mm-hmm. right or wrong. There's still a, a, a morality that exists outside of how we or you or I or anyone else might feel.
1: Um, yeah, so there is the truth that, uh, you know, let's talk about the the lies. So there's the lies that I know that they are a lie. Mm-hmm. And there's the lie that I don't know that it's a lie, Yeah, you know, it, and, yeah. and you can say the same thing about the truth. You know, there is a, a truth that I could hold right now because I, you know, there's something that I don't know. There's something that I, this is what I think is the truth. So this is who I am. This is what I, I say is the truth for me right now. It could change and it, I, I could find something else. I can have a different experience and then something else becomes my truth. And we're affected. So, so this,
0: so, affect- so let me interrupt. So you said my truth. My, my question is, is there a truth that exists outside of every person that we are all looking to just dis- to discern the truth and we are in our process of like, okay, I'm working to discern the truth. You know, the, the natural laws, as many philosophers have put it, the laws of nature, not necessarily gravity, but the, the natural laws of morality in nature, the truth, not what's my experience, because oftentimes our experience is very far from uh, reality. And so, is it is it what you're saying that, okay, well, there is no such thing as the truth that exists outside of every individual? mm mm-hmm. Or are you saying there is no such thing as the truth, and it's just whatever I subjectively come to discover and feel?
1: Uh, I don't know. if There's one the truth that is one for everyone. It's um, it's a it's a really a big question. It is. That's
0: why I asked and,
1: it. Uh, <laughs> yes, and it's you know uh, I know I could go um, you know for. And drive myself crazy in trying to find it. I know many people have done with like the truth. What I know is your truth might not be mine. And so here's the thing. Ultimately, my what we what I want like to do is be a good person, do good things myself and serve humanity at something, you know, and, and serve people, whatever that humanity um, is. And if I'm in a place where I'm able to do that, where I'm able to hopefully do more good than damage, then, and it's working for me, then that's okay. It's a process. There isn't one thing that I'm going to reach to and say, okay, this is, I got it. I got it. This is the truth that I have, and because I think, and that's why I, you know, previously said I don't use the word belief, because when we label something as a belief, um, the beliefs that I have are very, very few, you know. Um, but once I label something as my belief, or this is the truth, it's it's rigid, is not open for any. Um, uh, questioning. It's not open for any change.
0: So here, so here's a question. I'm going to stop you right there. Yes. In, in, do you see the, the, uh, self-contradictory nature of your statement in that by you saying that there is no truth. And by saying that the moment you define truth, you lock it in, you've just actually defined truth and locked it in. So it's a self-contradictory statement. And so therefore you actually do believe that there is truth.
1: Oh, it, it, we, we think it's ever-changing. That's what I'm saying. It's, um, it's, it's not, there is one thing, because maybe my understanding of what truth is, it's that one thing that I know that it's for sure and it's nothing. And if you could correct me, that's not your definition of that truth. Because, you know, it's, it's something that it's a process that is changing. So if I label it, so I can tell you my truth right now, but in mm-hmm. tomorrow, yeah,
0: and I'm I'm okay with that. I think I'm okay with that. I think I'm okay with yeah. saying like, okay, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm searching yeah. for for truth that exists outside of my subjective feeling. Even you said like, my goal is to live a good life. Well, my question is, what does it mean to be good, right? And so, there, yeah. you know, there there needs to be some objectivity in what it means to be good, and that is. A thing of truth, right? And so it's not to say that I have I have a textbook right here, and the facts in this textbook is truth. I think truth is a, it is, it's unchanging, but it is living. So truth has no shadow of turning within. Truth is, it, it always has been and it always will be, and it's unchanging, but it is alive. And so that is, you know, how I would look at truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, do I, have I fully come into the revelation of um, the full ins and outs of truth? No, I'm I'm in a process of pursuing truth, knowing that when I come upon truth, it is the truth that sets me into a place of freedom. And so I think this is probably where a, a lot of our, our practices or um, our methodologies probably differ. Um, and part of that, and I know... We've touched on yoga a little bit, um, and I know that you said, you know, I'm not a yoga practitioner. um but with within that whole this is where I get wary. It's within that whole world, it's there's there's we're channeling multiple sources. we're channeling multiple spirits. we're channeling multiple things. and I think that's probably where um if we break down into because we've agreed on most everything in this conversation, right? We've agreed oh, yes. on a lot. It's been so fun, but I want to give, I really want to give our audience some disagreement.
1: Okay. Right? Let's dig into that. Right, if you will.
0: So, I think where I would probably look at the overarching or maybe the underlying principles of what embodiment really teaches, it's, it's talking about there's lots of different spirits, even in some of the literature that I've read preparing for this, it's talking about there's different spirits that we have and different spirits that we can channel and embody. Um, and my belief is like, that is extremely dangerous and destructive. Um, you know, even yoga, like most of these yoga practices, you know, you're, you're inviting like the goddess of Vishnu, like destruction into your life, um, from the literature that I've read on yoga. And even these high places in Tibet, they're founded on child sacrifice, and so I'm very wary when it comes to which doors I open in my life into the spiritual realm and what's what spirit that I choose to channel. And so I think when I – and I'm excited to have this conversation because I haven't mm-hmm. had this conversation with anyone yet on the podcast and I've been wanting to. So I'm using this as my own selfish opportunity. <laughs> um, yeah. So with that, it's it's – You know, there is a a huge spiritual component to the world that we live in. And I'm I as an individual I'm very wary of what spirit I want to open my my life into or my the doors of my heart, the doors of my being into um and channel and receive energies from. Um as I think that's that's very important. And when we start drinking from multiple streams it gets really weird really fast. I think that's probably a large difference in some of our ideologies. What do you think? Okay.
1: Um, let me ask you to clarify. Yeah. What do you mean exactly by channeling different spirits? Because you said you, when you were reading and, and, and what, uh, what did you read um, in, um, that led you to... Uh, first of all, what is, do you mean by channeling um, spirits? Right and uh, what gave you the idea that this was all about? Yeah. Um.
0: So when I was starting to read about Im- embodiment, you know, most of the literature out there is talking about your chakras and talking about um, auras, talking about. Um,
1: oh, that yoga. is yoga. That is not. Uh, uh, that's not embodiment. <laughs> no, that is not. It's not because that is
0: all. Like when funny. you Google embodiment, <laughs> that's what you find.
1: That's what you find, okay? No, I'll, I'll, I'll get you too. Great, um, yeah,
0: that makes me happy because I was uh, reading. Thing, I read, okay. I read something just before this interview, saying, you know, and how we inter- interact with many of our different spirits or many of our different, you know, energies.
1: Okay.
0: So that, so that's where let I'm let kind of you, like, hmm. I have
1: no idea what that means. And I love um, it. And <laughs>
0: that makes me so happy.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I, I, you know, I am also wary of. Um, many practices that people can, you know, go and learn and try to, um, again, from a top-down um, way of saying, this is what needs to happen. So, um, okay, I don't know about auras. I know that, you know, the chakra system that's in, you know, um, in ancient India, and there is bases Um, that you see in Chinese medicine, even in Japanese Mm -hmm. uh, medicine. So there is some um, energetic uh, fields that do exist within us. Uh, Now, there are a lot of what is, I can categorize as new agey Mm -hmm. um, um, things. And many times that is not embodiment because, you know, yoga, because yoga is, is, you know, the most popular thing, right? Um, it can be taken into a completely spiritual that is completely outside the body. And that is not embodiment. So, um, so I don't see, you know, so embodiment is, is, is the way I am doing, you know, not what I'm doing, my way of learning it is not trying to replace something with something else. Gotcha. Is, is is peeling the layers that, um, the patterns that have been constructed, that had been, and they were, and they happened for a very good reason. And even from a trauma perspective, people with, you know, trauma experts would yes. tell you these are responses that we have, you know, um, our body kind of did to feel safe and to, you know, maintain, right. you know. So it's for survival. Right. So with that, recognizing that, okay, so this layer, this pattern is no longer helping me. On the opposite, it's stopping me or, or hindering my, my, my process. I choose to let it down. Uh, actually, as, as one of my teachers, you cannot just put it down. You need to introduce something else. Mm-hmm. So embodiment is very much about the physical sensations that... Uh, that happens. That is a big component of it. Okay. Even with spirit, even with spiritual experiences, there is, um, a physical sensation that happens. Um, my, my second child was, uh, born at 32 weeks
0: wow.
1: and he's 13 now and he's, yeah. he's, yeah. he's all, high. but I, I w- upon his birth. I had a, one of the, you know, profound spiritual experience when I had him is that sense of serenity, Mm. peacefulness, and knowing that it's all going to be all right. Mm. And that I I now think about it, I I have goosebumps had a physical sensation to it. So it wasn't that I was outside my body. And you know, in that bliss, that had no relation to my body. So um, I could, you know, send you resources and people to listen to, but it's, it's about who we are as a whole. Um, and yeah, I know there's a lot of systems uh, out there. I don't know much about it to say. I am in really, and even talking about when our conversation about truth, honest to God, my resources and my capacity to figure how I am doing stuff and how to be a good parent for my kids mm. is time and energetically consuming. Oh, absolutely. That, you know, I feel that any, uh, I could go into a philosophical conversation and what other people could do, but only for a little bit of time. And I could, you know, start ranting and, you know, complaining about what other people are doing or not doing. But I found this really uh, exhausting Yes. If I want to have, you know, people, even now that I do what I do, I know that this is, has been working for me. It's helping me. And if anyone out there feels the same, welcome. <laughs> I I can't be going and trying to change the system. That's not who I am. Right. There are people who are, you know, they have their mission in life to be activists and wanting to change stuff. And, you know, they could go wrong with, you know, the world that we see it that, you know, there are social justice uh, warriors that they end up doing exactly what they want to mm-hmm you know, uh, not happen. And it kind of gets into a very kind of a loopy kind of yes, um, yes, stressful thing. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, and honestly, I am me, Manal. I am <laughs> not concerned about that. And this is who I am. And I had this in me for, for quite some time. And understanding that I have um, a purpose. I have my entry point. I have my own path in doing that. That's okay if, you know, I care about a lot of stuff that happens, but it's not what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Otherwise, I'm going to be exhausted and uh, that's not useful. I love that.
0: And I I love that, especially uh, I recently heard, you know, so especially right now with the educational institutions, they're really training people to, you know, go out and and try to make a change in the world rather than go out and understand the world, understand how the world works and understand how the world operates and then you take responsibility for yourself and change you. Don't worry about changing other people but first it starts with understanding and that's one thing that I've really loved about this conversation is that you are after understanding how we work, how our relationships with our children's work so that we can take personal responsibility, which then has the the compounding effect to our children and to their relationships around us. And I think that is something that is extremely powerful. And um, I've really enjoyed, really enjoyed this conversation. It's been so pleasurable. Where can people find you on the World Wide oh. Web?
1: Okay. Oh, wow. We came to the end of this. It's the I, end. I have not... I just looked at the time and I can't, you know, <laughs> believe that it's, <laughs> it went this fast. Uh, well, I'm, you know, my website is Uh I'm on um, Instagram at banal.aldambag. And if anyone wants to, um, you know, connect, send me a message, love to have these conversations. Um, and,
0: and you're speaking uh, at a conference coming up, is that right?
1: Yes yes I'm speaking and working at the embodiment conference that is it's a virtual online um, event that is happening in October that's 14th to the 25th and we there's over a thousand speakers and there are so many you know all the teachers that I've learned from and are there and I'm honored to have that um, Place of you know presenting within this uh, conference, it's uh, it's super cool, and it's the mission of it is changing the 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 world one body at a time. Um, so yeah, you could get to find all about embodiment there. And are you Wh- be sp- whatever field you'd like?
0: Are you going to be speaking on parenting?
1: I'm speaking about you know um, uh, parenting on the leadership uh, track because uh, there's a lot uh, in parenting and leadership that is, um, you know, they could inform each other. And I think that's bridging the gap of even leaders who are parents, that it's, you know, it's, um, a good leader is a good parent, ideally.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. That is another conversation. <laughs> no thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks for answering and sticking with me with all my my hard questions. Um, it's been so fun. Oh it really has been. <laughs>
1: Isn't this amazing that we could start thinking that we are in sort of opposition or or and you know disagreeing on things and if you could remind me if there is something that we kind of disagreed on there's I There's a
0: there was there, there was a good amount that there? we disagree on actually uh, I think there is uh, Yeah yeah and we we already discussed it. I don't think there's need to to beat a dead horse but I I think there were things that we we disagree on and that's what I I enjoy. I I want to have more conversations. Where I mean, right now in the world as it is, people can't disagree. Like it, it turns it to to name calling and to just like just insanity blocking people. Um, and so I think that's one thing that needs to be modeled more is we disagree. We don't see things the same way, and, and that's okay.
1: Redefine disagreement. Yes, from a conflict conflict
0: resolution yeah r- relationship rather than just you know i'm only friends with people who be- believe as you say be- believe or think the exact same way that i do i think when we when we do that we we find ourselves in echo chambers when we're only listening to people who are thinking the exact same ways that we do we think the whole world thinks like that when really there's you know a lot of different ways Of thinking right there's many many different ways in schools of thought and so I like getting out of my own echo chamber and and having conversations where I haven't thought about it that way or maybe the other person's like oh I haven't thought about it that way so
1: yeah
0: I've really enjoyed it thank you so much Manal
1: thank you thank you very much
0: That is all for our conversation today with Manal, but I wanted to take a moment and debrief some of the things that we talked about together on the show. The first thing that I really walked away from was kind of the the holistic way of looking at life. And we've talked about it a lot on the show where um, we're not just our mind, we're not just a sack of cells, but we actually have Free will, we actually have agency, we actually have a spirit, our body is actually important and connected, and there 's this holistic connection. another thing that we we mentioned on and talked about was the the connection between the body and the mind and the communication that goes on, and then how that looks in the context of a family and and it 's really easy when you have kids when you 're in the throes of parenthood, or maybe you're leading a company and you're in the throes of leading your employees to get stuck in the day in, day out routine, to get stuck in the the busyness and the work. And I can find myself just feeling so the blinders are on and I don't see anything around me except the task that is at hand. And then when there's issues that's arising in the house, I go to behavior modification. I don't stop to listen to the deeper needs and feelings and emotions that my boys are going through, that my wife is going through. And I just go straight to solve. I just go straight to behavior modification. I go straight to, nope, that's not how you're supposed to behave. This is how you're supposed to behave. But one thing that I really love that Manal was talking about was saying that Our body actually is sending more signals back to our brain than the brain is sending to our body. And our brain is actually aware of that, is actually doing something about that. But in the same way as leaders in leadership and in in families, we as the parents of our family or the leaders of our organization, we have to listen and care for the needs of those around us for those that we are serving through our leadership and that's something that I I continually have to go back to in parenting is I need to stop and pour out more love on my kids because it's love that covers a multitude of sins it's love that can transform and and empower us me and my kids to step into a place of health. And now, today, especially, love takes on all these weird meanings, all these kind of skewed definitions of what love means. But love actually has a definition, actually looks like something. And love, it's patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or does not covet. Love believes all things, bears all things, Love is self-giving, it's self-sacrificing. Love is counting someone else as more important than yourself. And I think it's really important for us to come to a definition of what love is. It's not just a subjective feeling. It's not just, well, I love you and this is just who I am. I'm a jerk and deal with it, but I love you. But that's not actually loving. If we're being rude, if we're being short, if we're being cross, if we're quick to be angry, if we're if we're having contempt or backbiting or gossiping to our our friends or you know, our guy friends or our girlfriends about our relationship or about our wives, about other people. Gossiping is not love. It's not loving. But it's actually believing the best about people. It's actually speaking the identity and truth of who someone is not how they're treating you, but who they are born and called to be and speaking that out over them and to other people around them. One story or lesson my mom really taught me was the way that I ought to talk about other people when they're not in the room. And she always taught me if there's someone that comes with a complaint, maybe there's two people, there's... John and Bob. John comes to me talking about Bob, complaining about Bob. My mom taught me, she said, defend Bob, stand up for Bob. Even if you may agree with John, stand up for Bob. And then, same likewise, when Bob comes to you to complain about John, stand up for John. Because she taught me the way that people talk about other people when you're not in the room is the same way that they will talk about you to others when you're not in the room. And when I I always come back to that and I think about that. How am I talking about other people when they are not in the room? How are other people talking about others when they're not in the room? I want to be someone who is careful with my words, careful with how I treat the world around me because there's actual definition, there's actually meaning, there's actually truth to love. It is not merely subjective. And we, we got into that on this episode with Manal on what truth is and truth isn't. And I just wanted to take a moment and, and clarify, just like this definition of love, love is patient, love is kind, love believes all things, bears all things, it does not envy, love does not boast, but it's humble. It's serving. It's laying down one's life for another. These are, are, are things that have definition. They have meaning. It's not subjective. Just as we talked about, like, well, what does it mean to be good? And that's a great question. What does it mean to be good? If we want to live a good life, what does that mean? How how do we go about being good? What's the definition of good? What is And what isn't good? Is it just not lying and not stealing? Or is it something much deeper than that? And that is what I want to encourage all of us and to encourage you to think about this week. How are you going out and deciding what good is? Where are you getting your definition and your metrics of what a good life looks like. Are, are we looking at Instagram and YouTube and MTV and music videos and rap music to define good? Are we Are we looking at how our friends define good? Where are we getting our definitions from? Where are we getting the sources of what we believe from? Where What's the root? What's the spring of all of those things? And that is so important. Where are we coming up with those definitions? Because really, it's the world that we're inundated with. If we're on our phones all the time, if we're in media all the time, that is going to begin to inform the things that we think about the world. That's going to begin to normalize what is an acceptable way to treat a person and what's not acceptable. If we're watching Netflix constantly, binge-watching violent movies, that is going to begin to shape the way that we think is good or not good to live in the world. Right and wrong to live in the world. And what we look at, we become. What we set and fix our eyes on, we will transform into. So if we're setting our eyes on violent music, on Degrading music. And and, or if we're setting our eyes on TV shows that normalize pedophilia, TV shows that normalize things that are are dark and wicked, and we start to laugh at them, that is going to begin to color the way that we see the world and callous our hearts from being able to recognize when things are wrong. And it calluses our hearts from being able to feel in our body that that sinking sensation of this is wrong. I should not be doing it and turning and fleeing away from that action that we know that we don't have peace about. We don't have serenity about. And i talked about this, about how often she can sense in her body that, that feeling in the pit of her stomach or tension on her shoulder, or that conviction in her heart of saying – This isn't right. I shouldn't be doing it. I need to flee from evil. I need to flee from this. But if we have normalized ourselves to embrace it and accept it, we will soon cease to recognize. One time I I had a friend send me just a horrific video of someone falling and and dying. and It was just so graphic, so bloody. It happened in our, our neighborhood. And he said, you know, hey, look at this. And I'm like, please don't ever send this to me again. It was just so disturbing. And he said to me, Oh, I used to be so disturbed by this as well. But then I just watched horror film after horror film after horror film. And now I can watch anything and it doesn't bother me anymore. And I was really taken back. I was shocked at this story. And I thought, my goodness, do you not realize that you have just calloused your heart, calloused your mind, calloused your conscience? From being able to recognize when something is dark and evil and when something is good and right. And when we have blinded the lamp of our body, we've darkened and closed our eyes. And when the things that we think are good and right are actually dark and evil, how dark is the darkness that we live in? How dark is the darkness that we live in in our hearts? Which is why. It is so important to not just go out and try to change the world, but to go out and discern truth, to go out and discern the, the way, how to walk in a way that is right and good and loving in the world, how to do that within our relationships. So that's why I want to challenge you with today from this episode of, of we need to step into a place of feeling that weight of conviction, right? To feel and being aware of when I am not operating the way I should. I'm not treating people the way I should. I'm doing something wrong right now. And stopping and owning that and calling it what it is, calling it sin, and then being able to go back and and find, okay, where is this coming from? What's the root of this? And how can I... Step into a right way of living, step into goodness, step into love. And whether that happens within our family or within our relationships, we all need to do that. So that's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please, if you have a question about this episode or any other episodes, I would love to hear them. You can WhatsApp me at plus one, two zero two, nine two two zero two two zero. And also my book, Anchored the Discipline to Stop Drifting. I wrote this book in a time of my life where I felt like everything was slipping through my fingers. All of the metrics that I had of what it meant to be productive just slipped away. And so I wrote this book and it's filled with just short principles, ideas by which I can build a framework and which you can build a framework to be able to take steps forward in life, to reach your dreams and reach your goals without putting heavy weights and heavy expectations on yourself thank you so so much for being here remember you are a truth seeker who goes out and uncovers your purpose so go and own your future this week